0: Coming up, brains, veins, and trains, news, booze, and tunes, and a few things that don't rhyme, all headed your way on this fun-filled episode of Kiss the Goat.
1: and this is
0: kiss Kiss the the goat goat. we are your high priest and priestess of satanic schlock cinema we've seen a million devil movies and we've rocked them all that is absolutely not true we've rocked some of them (laughs) and on this episode we make a concerted effort to watch the 1985 anthology night train to terror but first hang out with us through this break and
1: we'll be right back with the news Hi, I'm Mark. And you know what? I'm Mike. And we're the host of the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. We are the only podcast that looks at the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski exclusively on a year-by-year basis. Every episode, we present the news surrounding the world of these two legendary filmmakers. And we also try to speak with the many people involved with the films we discuss. Speaking of films, we generally talk about three to four films per
0: episode by reviewing and rating them. If you want to find out what those films are, visit our website at HollywoodUpsideDown.wordpress.
1: You can download our show via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, by searching for Hollywood Upside Down.
2: So if you're a fan of B-movies and you know you are, you wouldn't be
0: listening to us. Chances are you've seen some of the films of Fred Owen Ray and Jim Wynorski.
1: So why don't you join us from episode to episode and relive some of those favorite movie moments.
0: The moments you'll hear
1: on the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. Honestly, the real reason we watch these films is we love watching boobs. We sure do. Lots of large, small, flappy, flapjacky No, Mike. No, no. No. Very well-endowed, boisterous, giant, jiggly boobs. Those two. Yes.
2: Hi, I'm Steven Seagal. That's right. Stephen Seagal, and for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting ball for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick Ass Kid commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually you can find us both watching 80s and 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kickass. You can find us on our main page, which is DrActionKickAss.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic. And where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody.
1: the UK newspaper, The Telegraph, the leader of Ukraine's Orthodox Church, Patriarch Fillorette, who, if you look at his picture, he looks like if Sebastian Cabot played Santa Claus. <laughs> Just pure fucking white. Just the white beard. It's I amazing. love his name, man. Fillorette. um, Warm. Fillorette. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway...
1: <laughs> awesome All right, patriarch filaret claims that russian leader and steven seagal's best friend vladimir putin is possessed by satan and faces eternal damnation unless he repents
0: my and patriarch filaret goes on to say he calls himself a brother to the ukrainian people But in fact, according to his deeds, he really became the new Cain, shedding the brotherly blood and entangling the whole world with lies.
1: Now, it should be noted here that Putin is a baptized member of the Russian Orthodox Church. Whether he attends regularly is unknown.
0: It should also be mentioned that many world leaders have been referred to as devils or antichrists, including Hitler, Lenin. President Obama, and both former Presidents Bush.
1: Which is not to say that they were or they weren't. I mean, history will bear that out.
0: Anyway, just another one to add to the list. Add Vlad! And if Vladimir Putin ever decides that he needs to get right with Russian Jesus, the Catholic Church has just the thing that can help him. That's
1: right, Cootie. Pope Francis has formed and sanctioned an exorcism task force ready to be deployed at any place in the world at any time. They're the Expendables (laughs) of Exorcism.
0: Actually, they're called the International Association of Exorcists. (sighs) Boring. This news comes to us from RT.com, who go on to tell us that there are around 250 exorcists in this elite group. In fact, Pope Francis is rumored to be an exorcist himself. He speaks about the devil in public often, and an anonymous source in the Vatican says that behind closed doors, the pontiff yammers about the devil constantly.
1: Now this puts the Catholic Church in an interesting position. Francis is the most popular pope they've had in a while. He's friendly, he speaks compassionately, and he's got a decent social media presence. Yeah, he's got a Twitter, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, it's that kind of forward-thinking behavior that the Catholics have been needing to become relevant to non-Cathols and perhaps grow their numbers in some way besides, you know, being born Catholic. Because, you know, the one thing they say about Catholics is they'll take you as soon as you're warm. Right. So, but if demon possession and exorcism are thought of as archaic ideas in this allegedly enlightened and modern age, having a SWAT team for Satan may be a terrible backwards move, and having their chief exorcist be the Pope himself really opens them up for even more ridicule than what they currently experience.
0: There's even more Satan in the News stories to be found over at our Facebook page, which we encourage you to join. There's always some interesting conversation going on there, and some of the nicest people you'll meet on the Internet, talking about devil movies, old and new. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat.
1: After the break, Cootie and I get our tickets punched as we board the Night Train to Terror. Hang tight. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie give us some examples
0: Uh, well how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow Uh, but then not only that we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural holy
2: moly that sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me
1: you bet your sweet ass it does and Jamie where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff
0: well it's evil episodes of course
1: that's right. So set your DVR to channel six six six, and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be, but isn't talked about elsewhere.
0: Evil Episodes at the Podcasting Network. Movies need only three things: badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick
2: with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons?
0: And body counts.
2: Body count. The mathematics of murder and menace
0: the bbnbc podcast discusses lesser-known action exploitation and horror cult cinema you can find the show on itunes stitcher smart radio and soundcloud by searching for bbnbc podcast you can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com got the goddamn
2: message Let's gotta work
0: Joe Toronto, and it may be the worst song of all time. That's kind of
1: harsh, isn't it?
0: (laughs) No, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes it a perfect song to be played over and over and fucking over again in 1985's Night Train to Terror, which is one of the worst movies I have ever watched, if not the worst of all time. So, tell us how you really feel. Oh, I'm about to. (laughs) (laughs) This is an anthology movie with three separate stories told, but the framing device takes place on a train, which I'm assuming is the night train to terror. Um, On this train is an incredibly, incredibly shitty 80s band and their dancers. Already, we're on shaky ground with me, okay? Okay. There's also the train conductor, who's an oddly robotic old black guy. Oh, and guess who else is on the train? Both God and the devil, just hanging out, being chill, sitting across from each other over a lighted table.
1: So the movie starts off with that Everybody But You song and an extended video sequence, and really, it is just painful. It's bad music, bad clothing, bad Hair. The whole
0: band looks like somebody roughed up the cast of Rent. It's terrible. And then the night porter goes into the train car where God and the devil are, and they begin to discuss the first case, which is the first section of the anthology, and it's called The Case of Harry Billings. Now,
1: it's important to note real quick that God, in this movie, looks like an albino Abraham Lincoln... He does. (laughs) But the devil looks like your dentist wearing Frank Langella's Dracula costume.
0: (laughs) That is scarily accurate, X. Yeah.
1: All right, let's talk about the case of Harry Billings.
0: Okay, so the case of Harry Billings starts out really just fucking spastic, okay? It starts with Harry driving like a bat out of hell with his new bride in the car, and she's... She's freaking out and twitching and screaming at him that he's going too fast, which he is. He is driving like a madman, just coked up out of his mind, screaming around traffic, turning curves way too fast, about to go up on two wheels. Finally, he loses control of the car, and they drive off of a bridge.
1: Now, his new bride is still wearing the wedding dress. Yes. So, So apparently, they just fucking got married. Straight up. And Harry's like, mm, fuck it. I'm just going to drive through the city like a madman
0: and drive off a bridge. Love you. He was really fucking nervous about the wedding, I guess. <laughs> and he just dosed up on way too much PCP and then just drove like a madman. Because PCP calms people down. Yes. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I don't know. we never fucking taken <laughs> PCP. What do I know? Anyway, so apparently his new bride dies. Okay, so the next scene we see Harry in a fucking asylum, strapped down to a bed the whole nine yards. So I'm not sure what happened. I guess they pulled him out of the river and was like, he must be insane. He drove off the bridge. We're going to PCP. He's on PCP, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in this asylum, and Bull from Night Court is an orderly here. And he's all big and buff and wearing a wife beater and he's got hair and it's it really like
1: he, weird. He looks like he just got kicked out of Shana. na He may have. I don't know. Got that black greasy hair going like Bowser. It just cracks me up. Anyway, go ahead.
0: No, no, it's okay. But this movie is real. This section of the movie, well, a lot of it is, but this this piece particularly is really disjointed and kind of weird. Like the first time I watched it. Initially I thought that Harry was cuz the next thing you see him going through electroshock therapy and his therapist is this this woman and she's all soothing and see that did you a lot of good you know and meanwhile he's strapped to the table and just every muscle in his body is tense and he's screaming through his ball gag but um I I initially thought he was having um like flashbacks or dreams of him torturing women and that bull was like his alter ego that was doing this oh and and this character's name is Otto I'm sorry I'm confusing it but I see him and I see bull from night court so I
1: <clears throat> so you're, but you're giving this way too much fucking credit already <laughs>
0: Alter egos and shit. <laughs> so, after a few minutes, it was made abundantly clear that that was not the case. Um, Otto is the, the like, chop person, I guess, for this <laughs> asylum. Um, what happens is they are <gasps> luring people in either going out to the street and picking them up or they're showing up at the asylum for whatever reason. And Otto chops them into little pieces and they sell their body parts around the world to different medical schools or just random collectors. I don't know. Um, so Harry and his, uh, apparently his therapist decides that she really wants him. So she starts drugging him and starts having an affair with him. Um,
1: her name is so, Dr. Farber.
0: Huh? Dr. Farber. Dr. Farber is her name? Yes, Diana okay. Farber. Far- I'm glad you picked up on that because Far- I, Ar- I was like, what the hell? I don't even know. So the this the middle part of this movie is just broken up segments of Harry fucking his therapist and talking to her and having this, you know, this <laughs> crisis about remembering shit and being freaked out by it and then being drugged by her and being in this drug haze and Otto chopping up women. So apparently she's sending Harry out to bars to pick up women and bring them back to the asylum where Otto does his thing.
1: Because Harry is an attractive man. So Harry goes out and picks up women and brings them back to the, hey, let's go back to my place. Well, his place is the asylum and the women don't know that. So, of course, they get strapped to a bed. And Richard Mall comes in and chops him up. And actually, Harry is so susceptible to Dr. Farber's hypnotism that he is able to be hypnotized with a pill dissolved in water. It looks like Alka-Seltzer. And she drops it in his water, and he immediately goes into a hypnotic trance. And this is one of my favorite parts of this story. He goes to <laughs> He goes to church. <laughs> He goes to church and stands next to this woman with long blonde hair. And when communion is passed around, he roofies her wine. He roofies her communion wine. He's a classy guy. Classy guy. And the next thing you know, she's strapped naked to a hospital bed waiting for Otto to come a-chopping. Now, that'll (laughs) teach you to go to church.
0: Right? That's the moral of this story. Uh Um, <clears throat> so Harry cotton's on eventually and he doesn't take the medication one morning that his therapist has given him. And he tells her, he's like, I want to go back to my regular life, my old life. And I didn't take your medicine this morning. So I know what you're up to. And she's all like, where is, where is my place in your regular life, Harry? And so they fight and he ties her up. um, And this is when she gets her comeuppance, because an earlier segment showed um, this Dr. Farber, did you say her name was? Farber, Yeah, Dr. Farber um, apparently wanted more control of the goings-on at the asylum, and so the other doctor that she was in league with there, she decided she wanted to get rid of him and run the place herself. So she drugs him. And fucking lobotomizes him. So now he's just meandering around the hospital with a bandage around his head and drool coming out of the corner of his mouth and this blank look in his eyes. Well, when when Harry ties her up, this doctor and another doctor that I guess was lobotomized decide that they need to operate on her to find out what's wrong with her. She's their patient. So they kill her. She dies in that in that scene and um, then it's just batshit crazy because Harry's running around trying to get out of the hospital. At the same time, some people's car broke down outside and they're there <laughs> and Otto's cutting them up. And then there's some police officer that's investigating somebody that had disappeared and the car that she was last seen in was registered to the hospital. So it just goes fucking nuts there towards the end. Um, and Harry ends up fighting Otto and actually beheads him. Yeah, so, cuts his head off. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of cool.
1: I thought it was interesting that Harry, and I understand that he was drugged, but, I mean, he was going around meeting all these women, and why did it never occur to him, how come I'm not getting laid? Right? I'm picking up all these women and bringing them back, and I'm not getting any action off
0: of this. What the fuck? Well, he's getting it from his doctor.
1: Well, that's true. Well, and there is big money in black market body parts. And this movie gives a brand new meaning to piece of ass, that's for sure. So
0: Indeed. So after that, God and the Devil, we go back to the train where God and the Devil are sitting in front of a window that shows like the stars, like they're traveling through outer space. It's like
1: the beginning of Soul Train, dude. It's
0: completely incongruous to the rest of the story, because when it shows the train from outside they're just traveling along the countryside you know so i don't know what the hell's going on there but they're debating on whether or not harry goes to hell obviously the devil wants harry thinks he deserves to go to hell and god is being all oh no i don't think so so they leave it up to the fucking night porter who's standing over in the corner with his book and they ask him should harry go to hell and the night porter recommends a sentence of a hundred years in purgatory
1: Okay, first off, (laughs) this implies that God is Catholic because Protestants don't believe in purgatory. Okay, right. I'll take that. Second of all, when has God ever said, you know what, oh fuck, this decision is too much for me, I need to ask this guy. Amazingly enough, he does that a couple of times in this movie. God's really wishy-washy in this movie.
0: Oh, it drives me crazy. He's
1: like Charlie Brown level wishy-washy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, after they decide to go ahead and send Harry to Purgatory for a hundred years, then they debate on the souls of the musicians on board the train, which is apparently doomed. It's supposed to crash, and the devil wants them, and God is like, "No, they're not that bad." And the devil's like, "Have you heard their music?"?" <laughs> And I have to agree with the devil on this one, because that crap is not music. Even the fucking actors playing the musicians can't be arsed with memorizing the two sentences in this song that they keep playing over and fucking over. They can't lip sync. It's horrible. It's like a third grader wrote this song, and they can't figure out how to sing it or pretend to sing it.
1: So... Let us progress to the next story in the anthology, the next case, which next. is the case of Greta Connors with two teens, <laughs> mind you. So there's this dude. Is his name Paul? Did we decide that? Paul? Paul? Yeah. The guy who falls in love with Greta?
0: No, that's Glenn.
1: Oh, Glenn. It's Glenn and Greta. Glenn and Greta. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. See,
1: we don't even know the fucking characters' names. And I'll tell you what, we've watched this more than once. So that's- what's that tell you? So, okay, Glenn first sees Greta in a porno flick, and he falls in love with her immediately, like you do. Mm -hmm. And he decides he's going to rescue her from her life of sin and sorrow because he himself is so self-righteous, what with his porn watching and all. Um, So he tracks her down at a club where she's playing piano. And he meets her backstage, and he seduces her with magazines and sheet music and whatever else. (laughs) Visits to the carnival. They go to the carnival. Unfortunately, Greta's former pimp decides that he wants her back. And he is involved with some kind of weird fucking death club. These people sit around and try to figure out different ways to kill themselves.
0: Right. Well, they always set up each gig kind of like um, a Russian roulette. There's always an out. There's always a possibility that nobody fucking dies in in whatever rig they've set up.
1: So anyway, this porn cut, the porn guy, king guy, decides that this is going to be a great way to get rid of Greta's new boyfriend and pull her back into the business. Right. Um, So the first time the Death Club meets with Glenn and Greta... There's this guy who looks like Michael Winslow impersonating Jimmy Hendrix Hendrix. in Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Nice Dreams or Next Movie? It's one of the Cheech and Chong movies. I don't know. If you know, you know. Um, So anyway, this guy brings in a a mason. It's bigger than a mason jar. It's like one of those big fucking cheese ball jars that you see like at Sam's Club. Yeah, the barrel, the cheese balls, Yeah, ball the barrel. barrel of cheese balls. Mm-hmm. And inside, there's no cheese balls, but there's a giant fucking wasp.
0: Stop animation wasp. It's, it's like as big as a chihuahua, it's guys. It's as big as a Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> it really
1: is. And it's this great just stop-motion wasp with fucking pipe cleaners for legs. And the deal is, if it stings you, you die. Because, well, fuck yes, you would. It's as big as a fucking <laughs> dog. But... They leave one of the windows open just to leave, you know, fate a chance to intervene. That's the out. That's the out. So the first thing the Wasp does in stop motion is it very slowly and jerkily flies around the room, and we get a lot of, like, big Wasp point-of-view shots (laughs) where it's just a camera going around the table. Well, finally, the Wasp lands on, on Glenn's hand, and he's all sweaty and shit. And Mr. Porn Guy really wants him dead. Every time Mr. Porn Guy is in one of these situations with the death club, he holds a gun in his left hand, pointed at Glenn, like, if I die, I'm taking you out too, motherfucker. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so, so, But this leads to, in my opinion, the best thing about this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Like, the only thing I really cackled and enjoyed about this movie Happens because of this giant stop-motion animated wasp. It doesn't sting Glenn. It doesn't sting anybody in the room, even though it circles them all, and they're all sitting there looking at it, some of them, you know, delirious with, with happiness at the thought of dying, and others kind of freaked out. And then it flies out the window, and you see it flying across town. And, of course, there is a young couple making it in the bushes. So... The girl is on top and the guy's laying on his back and this wasp comes down in this really oddly edited sequence and it lands on his face and stings him below his eye. And of course the girl is screaming her fucking lungs out and instead of stinging her too, the wasp takes off and we don't know where it goes because next the guy's face swells up And explodes, and at that moment, the camera cuts back to the girl, and she gets a shotgun blast of fake blood right in the fucking eyes. It's pretty great. It is great. She's screaming, and she jerks, and, you know, you could tell she didn't quite expect the force of that blast (laughs) of false blood into her eyes. Which is a lot like prom, really. (laughs) sure she was cussing somebody out after in that my Get it God out of my damn eye! it, it
1: stings! <laughs> so their next gig is an electrocution machine. They have a fucking talking computer like Hal that is set up to electrocute one of them. There's an empty chair at the table and that's the out, but the rest of them are wearing those, like, no bands around their head so that if they get chosen,
0: the electricity just goes straight into their brain. And the computer's really sinister too. It's kind of funny, well, it's like kind of,
1: it's a bastard.
0: <laughs> it is. He's, the computer's like really excited that he's about to kill one of them. So it randomly
1: chooses somebody in the group, and of course, it chooses the black guy, the guy who looks like Jimi Hendrix, and he gets electrocuted, also in slow stop motion. Now this is pretty fun too because really uh he twitches a lot to the point where his face is moving up and down so fast that you can see his lips kind of pull away from his teeth. Yeah. So man. he looks like kind of like a baboon skull. He looks <laughs> like shakma It's um, crazy. And he just he just melts. It just fucking melts, and yeah. it's, it's incredible.
0: It leaves a pretty nice, uh, fulchy-looking corpse sitting in the chair smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Now,
1: now, of course, this pisses Porn King guy off, because he hasn't been able to kill Glenn yet, because Glenn, with his purity and his self-righteousness, has been able to avoid being murdered.
0: Right. And they decide that they're done with the death club at this point. They're in love. They're in a, They're going to get married. They're. They're going to kick the... The rich porn guy to the curb so and go
1: to carnivals and play piano
0: and exactly
1: <laughs> do and the of course, things that young lovers do.
0: And of course, the porn king guy does not take that very well, and he hires a gang of thugs to kidnap them for another ga- another one of the Death Club's games. Now, yeah. I, I can't figure out why the fuck if you really want this guy dead that bad, just and fucking shoot him. Yeah, exactly. Why didn't you send in your gang of thugs in the very beginning to kidnap his ass and have him, you know, sleeping under the boardwalk somewhere? I don't know.
1: Why didn't you shoot him at a death club meeting? Pang! Oops, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Let's all go to Ruby Tuesdays. I've got a great salad bar. (laughs) Right.
0: So the next one is some jacked up variation of the pit and the pendulum. They've got this huge wrecking ball. Um, suspended from the ceiling in this big warehouse-type room. And they have sleeping bags for each of them and ranged in a circle underneath the wrecking ball. Now, they have a blade on one side that has, and I quote, been scientifically sharpened. By science. By science, Betty. <laughs> and they set the pendulum in motion, swinging in a circle. So, of course inevitably when it comes back around to the blade the rope gets cut a little bit more and so that's the game they're all lying underneath it watching porn king dude has his gun set on glenn so he can't get up and run off and they laid under a wrecking ball (laughs) sorry go ahead wow you just did that i did (laughs) i have
1: no shame
0: So inevitably, the rope snaps, the wrecking ball falls, it does not hit either Glenn, nor Greta, nor the Porn King, it lands on some random chick that has been there throughout the whole thing and hasn't really had any lines. So, they live. Apparently, though, at the end of the story, Greta decides, fuck all of you assholes, I am going to Florida to fall in love with somebody else.
1: Screw you guys, I'm I'm going home." home.
0: Exactly, so she's gone. Glenn's gone. Porn King loses interest. Now that Greta left and took off with somebody else. So that's the end of that story. And the devil is fucking pissed. He really wanted Greta. And of course, God is smug because Greta got away. And, you know, he says something about how she redeemed herself or something. And, at this point, they go through another pseudo philosophical conversation where the devil asks God why He goes through so much trouble for humankind, and God says that all life on Earth has meaning to Him. And the devil says, "Well, you make a lot of mistakes." And God says, <laughs> "The only mistake I ever made was trusting you." Uh. And they argue, and God threatens to open the gates of Hell, and the devil gets scared. <laughs> God says, I'm going to open the gates of hell where the devil lives. <laughs> and he cowers. <sighs> and then, of course, the fucking song goes on again, and they keep fucking dancing. This is the worst, longest dance party ever. Have I mentioned that? Um, do you want to talk about the little section with the night porter here?
1: Sure. Alright. So <laughs> <laughs> The ba- the band is playing and they're dancing and they're doing the same song. It's the same old shtick. And this one girl stops the night porter and says, Hey, how about we get some sandwiches and some beer? And the night porter says, There's no food on this train. And they're like, What kind of train is this? And the porter says,
2: Some call it the heavenly express. Others Satan's cannonball. But we guarantee to deliver every passenger to his right destination.
1: Like, I really wish your bus hadn't broken down, you know?
2: No way! I think this train is cool. From the top!
1: And then there's breakdancing.
0: After that, there's white boy breakdancing. I need a break from this shit. (laughs) I've got to pee and my drink is empty and I've got to get my thoughts together before we discuss the rest of this movie.
1: That's cool. I'll play some promos while you're gone. And when we come back, we will see if we can't guide this night train into the station. We'll be back in two and two.
2: Do you like movies? Do you like beards? Do you bathe in raw meat? Do you dance under the fiery sky of Ra, daisies threaded through your man-chest vein? Foolish question. Yes, we all do. But do you do it listening to the podcast from the After Movie Diner? If not, then you're missing out, and you may or may not spend eternity in insufferable torment wedged between Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan in an elevator that smells of death. The After Movie Diner is a website dedicated to movies. New, old, large, small, and of every genre. There are written reviews, interviews with the famous and interesting, and a weekly podcast with comedy, reviews, interviews, a variety of fascinating and flatulent co-hosts, and music to tap your toe to. So why aren't you on board? Get there or miss out on the podcasting sensation of a generation, one that feels like being slightly tongued by an over-enthusiastic cocker spaniel. Find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and over at AfterMovieDiner.com.
1: Banana laser promo,
2: take one. Hey guys, it's with Zell and Z here.
0: Yeah, we're just uh, kicking back in the laser lounge right now, taking a break from uh, what we normally do to tell you all about our show Banana Laser. Uh, We're just here for sick fucks like ourselves that love horror movie and just, yeah. Fuck!
2: The Banana Laser podcast, it's uh, every... (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, why? And, um, you know, it's for sick fucks like ourselves. <laughs> so, if you like salty commentary.
1: <laughs> In skewed views. Foul mouth skewed views, And look. Uh, we're terrible at this. I fucked up too i, I are I, terrible. <laughs> oh my. <God>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They're all sort of. All right,
1: forget it, fuck it. Uh, You can find Banana Laser at Horrorfilia.com. Check us out on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Banana Laser Show. Look us up on YouTube, Banana Lasers, everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look us up so you can join us. You ready?
0: Um, Yeah, let's do this.
1: We're back on Kiss the Goat to wind down our discussion of Night Train to Terror. Let's get back on board with the final story of the three, which is the case of Claire Hansen.
0: Oh, Claire.
1: Now, is she a Nobel Prize winner or is her husband the Nobel Prize winner? Her husband is. Okay. Her husband is also played by Richard Moll, by the way. Only this time, he's wearing a toupee that looks like it was made from a skunk. (laughs) Right. Straight black hair with, like, three giant white stripes in it.
0: It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, Claire is a Catholic, but her husband is an atheist.
1: Claire's a Roman Catholic.
0: (laughs) And they are apparently pretty (laughs) well-to-do, right? They've got this big mansion, lots of money. God tells the devil that she would... She would love her husband, even if he were poor, because the devil says, "Of course she loves him, he's rich, whatever,
1: okay, well, Claire's having nightmares about Nazi meetings and Nazi massacres and all kinds of other Gestapo happy times. So is this kind of a <laughs> World War two story? Well, it is sort of because across town we cut to this old Jewish guy who's a <laughs> Holocaust survivor. And he recognizes one of his Nazi torturers on television. And the guy hasn't aged a day.
0: And he looks straight up like a fucking Anne Rice vampire guys, Only, you know, a little puffy, I
1: guess. He's a ch- He is a chubby, David Cassidy, <laughs> Partridge family looking guy, whom I started calling the Vampire La Fat.
0: Right. So the old Jewish dude sees him on TV. And he just starts flipping the fuck out. And he goes to the police station and beseeches this police officer to arrest this guy. And, of course, the officer is like, there's no way this is the same man. You're talking about somebody that was involved in a war that ended, you know, like, what, 30 years ago? Is that Well, when this 85, took place, I think? 85, so about <clears throat> 40 years. After 40 that. years, okay. And that the guy hasn't aged a bit. He should be like 60 or 70 years old, but he only looks like he's in his 20s. So the old Jewish guy decides to take matters into his own hands, and he goes to kill the vampire LaFat. Murder, murder, murder. <laughs> right, so he gets this old gun out of his dresser and goes to his mansion. Um, and-, and, and, so,
1: and, and and you know what? Unless I miss my, my gun recognizes skills... It's an old Luger, which I'm pretty sure is a German gun, which makes it, me laugh.
0: Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the stereotypical what you know, you know, straight it's up the, out of. <laughs> not a
1: Luger, It's like a Walther PP forty seven, like they used in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I
0: should say it looks like it's out of an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. yeah. So
1: yeah, I think it's a Walther PP forty seven.
0: Yeah. So he goes to kill the 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 vampire LaFat, and when he he breaks into his house, which wasn't very hard. So I guess LaFat <laughs> was waiting for him. Goes upstairs, goes into his bedroom, pulls back the bed curtain, and is greeted by some huge demon-looking thing. It obviously, kills him, and not only kills him, which we learn this when the police are investigating his death later. He fucking tattooed him with six six six. So let's let me back a minute.
1: He's not just met by a big grinning demon he is met by a gigantic growling rubber mask in a room that is completely lit with red light. And then his back explodes. And when his back explodes, we know he's dead, but later they find the tattoo on the old Jew's stomach. (laughs) So figure that the fuck out.
0: So it's after his death that we meet Claire's husband for the first time. And um, he's an author who's written a book, Titled God is Dead. Wonder what it's about. Well <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read it. But anyway, he's doing a television show um, talking about his book and talking about um the delusion of religion and you know on his soapbox about how there is no God. So it's a lot like American Idol. Yeah. So Vampire LaFat is watching this television show. Um and you know, grinning devilishly and licking his lips, or something like he's really excited, so after the show, some hairy guy with six 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 tattooed on his chest confronts Mr. Hansen to tell him he's possessed by Satan and will go to hell i I don't know why he has six 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 tattooed on his chest because we find out in you know a few minutes later that this is actually a defrocked monk he looks like Rasputin. He does, straight up like Rasputin, and I don't know what's with these devil movies and their Rasputin-looking motherfuckers, but every one of them seems to have one. So Mr. Hansen kicks the hairy guy out, and he promptly then gets arrested for hanging out outside their house. Like, he's standing outside shouting, I'm going to save you, or you're going to hell, kind of thing. So the cops come by and they arrest him. And Claire's nightmares continue. She's have, you know, she's dreaming about demons and Nazis and, and death. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the vampire LaFat's having a party. Yeah, he likes hanging out at swinging discos, apparently.
1: And this old-jews cop friend, who is played by Cameron Mitchell, and Cameron Mitchell's a great actor. He's a great character actor. He's just always been on point, and everything he's ever been in. But there are certain shots in this movie, like, from the side angle, where he looks just like William Shatner, and it's weird. (laughs) It's weird, and I think Bill Shatner would have been a much better choice for this movie, if for no other reason than to save, you know, Cameron Mitchell's dignity. Um, (laughs) So Cameron crashes one of the Vampire Lafette's blood orgy Parties and there's cocaine and bad disco and women wearing giant roses in their hair. Well, anyway, there's this woman with a red dress and the flower in her hair, and the vampire LaFat takes her back to his chambers. She's a cocktail waitress there. She was working as a waitress in a mm-hmm. cocktail bar when he met her. And they go back to his little room, and she's already in bed, and she's got the covers pulled up to her neck, and she's all shy and demure. And sipping champagne. And sipping champagne. And the vampire LaFat takes off his boots, and he's got satyr legs! <laughs> he has fucking
0: hooves. Cloven hooves! <laughs> fucking pan legs! And I love it! He does like a little strip tease for her too. He's being all sly about it, and just unzipping them slowly, and pulling them off. And then when she sees his, his hoofs <laughs> he starts screaming. He just laughs. He just laughs. laughs. He's like, "Yeah, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> I've got hooves. Bend over. <laughs> so the next scene You're shows her. <laughs> she's being dumped out of a car, and she's <laughs> crying and fucking hysterical. And this is apparently in front of the nightclub because her friends go running to pick her up out of the street. Oh. So the cop. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> After this, the cop. What? I'm sorry, it's so funny.
1: <laughs> the cop he does goes done piggy
0: style. <laughs> uh! That's goat style. <laughs> <laughs> so the cop goes to L- Lafatte's mansion. He's like, "I know where you live, bitch. I'm coming in. I want to talk to you." So he goes in and asks him if he knows the old Jewish guy that died previously and he's like i don't know who you're talking about i don't know this person and he's you know he says well i'm watching you blah 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 <coughs> and after that the cocktail waitress's boyfriend decides he's going to defend his waitress his his girlfriend's honor and he's going to go kill LaFette himself oh, is that who that guy was was that her yes. boyfriend yes that okay. was her boyfriend I from was the so club confused yeah. the editing in this movie
1: is so terrible oh
0: it is it's that really, there's really no. Trendy.
1: You've gotta have a fucking scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> to keep track of who's who and why they're even fucking there.
0: I couldn't follow it when I was drunk, dude. I had to be like completely dude. sober to be able to take notes. And on that this is movie. no
1: that is no way to watch this movie. <laughs> you really? cannot watch this movie sober.
0: Well the cocktail the, the cocktail waitress's boyfriend gets further than the old Jewish guy did. Um when he enters Lestat's bedroom and pulls back the bed curtains he finds himself in this hellish realm with you know like barren trees and deserts and and fiery pits and when he walks in which i don't know why the fuck you would walk in i would have turned around and left immediately but he gets stomped to death by a giant stop motion animated demon that's after he turns into an action figure
1: yeah <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> It's really it's a stop motion monster and a little doll of the of the actor and then it's just like <laughs> And that's it. That's the whole scene. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe Satan really can turn people into six inch high action figures.
0: I don't know. Maybe that's that's one of his tricks as a it could trick be. So after this, Claire gets a letter. It's from a concerned friend or a relative or a fan of her husband's. I don't fucking know. But the But the letter tells her that she's in trouble and that Satan wants her soul. Mm. So after reading this letter, Claire starts to hear creaking noises coming from her attic. And she goes up to investigate. The door closes on her and the lights go out. And then there's some red light. And the floor opens up and demons come out of <laughs> the floor and start attacking her feet. And of course, she's beating on the door and screaming and trying to get out. And she finally gets out and she turns around and looks and there's nothing there.
1: Here's the best part of that scene, as far as I'm concerned. There's one shot where you can see she is fucking straight out in the air. She is parallel to the floor completely. But then the way that she escapes is she puts her feet on the floor. Uh-huh. And then everything just goes away and she's fine. And then she goes to church.
0: Like you do. <laughs> And at the church, a priest tells her she has been chosen to fight Satan.
1: Yeah, don't ever get chosen.
0: And not only has she been chosen to fight Satan, the priest gives her a box made from the wood from the cross that Christ was crucified on. How he got this box, I don't fucking know why this box exists. I don't fucking know. Because Catholics. (laughs) Because Catholics. And he tells her she has to cut out LaFette's heart and put it in the box. Now, the box
1: itself comes up from the floor. <laughs> and, like, fucking dry ice fog comes billowing out. In the and confessional! It's lit, and it's lit from underneath, and it's like Celine Dion appearing on stage in Vegas.
0: This priest or somebody fucking made this little trap door under this church in the confessional just waiting for the day that the chosen one came in and I sat can down finally that push room.
1: this button
0: <laughs> it's Get been 150 years oh <laughs> the fuck <laughs> meanwhile the cop is still investigating mm. and the hairy defrocked monk dude has been let out of jail
1: Cameron Mitchell, the cop guy. Yes, yes. Who should be Bill Shatner.
0: <clears throat> well, yes, that cop is investigating, and the the Rasputin defrocked monk dude has been let out of jail, and he decides that he's going to go to some roundhouse down by the ocean. I guess it's like a, a lighthouse. Roundhouse. I don't know, but they call it the roundhouse in the movie. Roundhouse. Right, roundhouse. <laughs> so Claire takes him there. Even though she doesn't know him, she just drops him off at the roundhouse. You look like Rasputin. I'll give you a ride. Right. (laughs) You're sexy. You're trustworthy. (laughs) And in the roundhouse, Rasputin meets Ishtar. Jesus. Who is depicted in this Uh... movie. Well, first, she's this really beautiful woman all dressed in this white robe with this, you know, thing over her head. And he asks her why she's wearing white. And she says that she finds it becoming... And he goes on a rant about how red is her color, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then she turns around and turns into this drooling, red-eyed demon creature. And it's a great her. makeup. It really is, big actually.
1: Big fucking teeth, and there's this one piece of drool that is so big, it looks like there's a branch while you're hanging out of her mouth.
0: Oh, it's it's straight-up slime, man. It
1: is disgusting, but of all the fucking goddesses to pull out of the Pantheon,
0: Ishtar? <laughs> fuck is it ishtar yeah so ishtar blows him out the door and onto the beach and the beach opens up of course and this (laughs) giant insectoid demon climbs out of the hole and grabs him by the legs and drags him down into the hole but he doesn't stay there
1: i mean i appreciate stop motion i really do but you know you think at some point somebody would have said can we call somebody who's good at doing stop-motion?
0: Exactly. Can we call
1: Jim Danforth or somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing? Because this is awful.
0: The bad thing is, though, that was better than most anything else in the movie. Uh. I mean, the effects and the stop-motion animation in the movie. Uh, really yeah. The it's, only it's, high it's really point. the high point. Yeah. So Rasputin does not stay in hell because the cop finds him the next day washed up on the beach and he interviews Mrs. Hanson in the morgue, and that's when she tells him that she took him to the beach, even though she didn't know him very well, that he told her he was going to protect her from Satan, so I guess that was why she gave him a ride. She's just looking for strange, and it <laughs> doesn't get much stranger than that, so. All right. Well, at the same time, the cop called in LaFat to show him the body of the Ras- Rasputin-looking hairy dude and ask if he knew him. And, of course, he denies it, and the cop shows him that this guy was also tattooed with 666, which he already had that, which we saw earlier in the movie, so I don't know.
1: But this makes no sense. And it doesn't matter, because, really, if you've bought the shit up to this point, you're going to buy the rest of it. <laughs> you've bought the ticket, you're going to take the ride. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So after this, the cop is still investigating, and he's just on fire now. He's freaked out about the whole story, and he believes that LaFat has something to do with these murders. So he's back at the old Jewish dude's apartment, and he's looking at all of these newspaper clippings that he has pinned up on the wall, because apparently he was really obsessed over this guy. Um, and he he was cute.
1: Well, you know. Like I said, he's David Cassidy cute, so of course you're going to tiger beat that shit all over your walls.
0: He was good with eyeliner, what can I say? Oh, God, yes, he was. Oh, yeah. So the cop's looking at all these old newspaper articles, you know, spanning decades, and he figures out that LaFat is actually really fucking old, and he convinces his cop buddy of the same thing, and they take off after LaFat. Now, while all this is going on, LaFat has called Mr. Hansen. Because and, it's just that easy to get famous people's phone numbers. That's right. <laughs> and he's, he, apparently they all live in the same town, too. So there's just tremendous... call him at home, his home on yeah. his landline. <laughs> so he sets up this meeting with Mr. Hanson, which he didn't really agree to, so I don't know why he actually fucking did it. But um, Ishtar shows up, not drooling anymore, all beautiful woman again, to um, take him to LaFat's mansion.
1: And thank God that Mr. Hansen brought a gun because that's the like least fucking useful thing to have at this point.
0: Uh, he's a clever lad. He's <laughs> gonna have a gun with him. <laughs> well, while Ishtar is picking up Mr. Hansen, the cop and his buddy cop are going off to LaFat's mansion, they're gonna confront him. So um, one of them stays in the car while the other one goes to the house to investigate. Now LaFat shows up just standing there grinning on the side of the street watching the whole scenario and suddenly the car starts filling up with this white gas and the guy starts choking and freaking out and like beating on the windows and yelling and the other guy notices that something bad's going on and he turns around and runs back to the car and at this moment the car just fucking explodes.
1: It doesn't just explode. I swear to God, this is stock footage of a Cambodian carpet
0: bombing. Seriously. I
1: expected to hear the end by the doors playing while this car exploded, followed by, like, Martin Sheen voiceover. Mm -hmm. It just takes fucking forever.
0: It's like this rapid-fire series of like four or five explosions <laughs> in a row, and it's just tremendous fire.
1: Yeah, like it, like they called it an airstrike on this
0: fucking car. Totally nuked the cops. <laughs> so then, at that point, Le- Lefat goes goes home or goes into his house to prepare for his meeting with Mister Hanson. Roundhouse, roundhouse. So when he gets there, um. Lefat goes on this long diatribe about, you know, how God is dead and blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Hansen is like, yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you. and But then he he takes an obviously satanic bent and Mr. Hansen is like, I don't believe in Satan any more than I believe in God. And this pisses LaFat off. Like, he is livid. He calls him a heretic and 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 tells him to recant.
1: And then... Red lightning comes from the sky and strikes the vampire LaFat, and he turns into a giant cricket. I (laughs) shit you not! He turns into a giant cricket, and the giant cricket attacks Mr. Hansen, and here's what the shot is. It's Mr. Hansen, he's falling and he's screaming, "Ah!" but it's literally a ragdoll. That kind of vaguely looks like Richard Mall, <laughs> and it falls onto a glowing
0: cross shape, and mm-hmm. he catches on fire. Not sure why he falls on the glowing cross shape. I'm not sure
1: why a cross is involved at all. It's not mm-hmm. even inverted.
0: Mm-mm. No, no, it's not. It's completely, completely upright. Completely so that's really so confusing. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Claire is at home, robed in white lace, and praying. She's and basically a nun at this she, point. Yes, she is. She, she's full-on Mother Mary mode at this point, and the Jesus box is beside her on a table, and it opens. Ooh. Glowing, bright white light is coming out of it, and it gives her something, but we can't see what the fuck it is because of the glowing, bright white light. So Claire takes whatever the box has given her and hunts down LaFat and runs him over with her car. Just
1: just Just plows him.
0: And this works, apparently, at least on the short term, enough for her to get him to the hospital. Well, his head shattered her windshield. (laughs) It's safe
1: to say he was at least stunned.
0: (laughs) And Claire is, I guess, a doctor because she gets him in the hospital and she's in full-on scrubs, ready to do surgery, and she's got a nurse there to assist her. Well, she's no Superman. (laughs) Jesus So, LaFat is strapped down. He's really pissed, apparently, but still unconscious. Like, he's twitching, and his eyes are closed, but you can see his eyeballs moving around really fast underneath, and he's muttering some kind of demonic incantation, I'm sure. We can't really make it out. Um, But Claire is working on cutting him open. She's got to get his fucking heart out and get it in the box, in the Jesus box, right? Well... The nurse that is with there with her, helping her, is, like, overcome with emotion, I guess. And she freaks out in the middle of it and starts stabbing him with a scalpel. And Claire stops her and says, you're, you know, you're not fucking helping. Stop what you're doing. And then she goes about trying to cut out his heart, which is apparently um, buried really deep in his body underneath 50 other organs because she keeps pulling shit out and keeps pulling shit out. I think there are
1: <laughs> bungee cords and tie downs involved. <laughs> I
0: think so. But she finally gets it out. She gets his heart out and she turns to go to put it in the Jesus box. And he regains consciousness and grabs her nurse and pulls her down to him and And just as Claire gets his heart in the Jesus box and slams the lid shut, she turns around, and the nurse looks up, and she has morphed into LaFat.
1: Yep, he's got a new complaint.
0: So he killed her, and then he walked out of the hospital scot-free.
1: Yep, walked out with those big fucking lapels and the wide collar on his shirt, just laughing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then yeah, we go back to God and the devil. And, and God says he's going to let Claire decide if her husband goes to heaven or hell or something like that. Because, once again, that's totally in character with the God of the Bible that we know. I don't know what to do. I'm going to let y'all decide.
0: Oh, and even better, God tells the devil that he let LaFat live.
1: Yeah, yep, totally allows this ancient evil to continue walking the earth.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) And then, and then, the train crashes.
0: That fucking train finally crashes, and the the longest, worst dance party ever comes to an end.
1: It's the moment we've all been waiting for. God (laughs) kills that fucking band And it is the worst model train I've seen since the original Gojira. Just on fire and wrecked, and it's horrible. But it's beautiful at the same time because you know that at last the music has stopped. And the people on the train who most deserve to go to hell are rescued by a merciful god. Although I'm not sure who he's being merciful too? because really, if there's a heaven, and there's a fuck-up on the manifest, which somehow allows me to pass through the pearly gates and take my eternal rest among the saints, and I start walking around and acclimating myself with the place... And I walk into a nice diner, not that there are shitty restaurants in heaven, although a couple of dive bars would be greatly appreciated. But I walk into a nice place, and I get something to eat, nothing fancy, just like a burger, maybe some fries, some kind of blessed soft drink. And all of a sudden, I hear some music, and it's that fucking band that died on the train. I am going to question the order of the universe,
0: continuing to believe in chaos even in a place that is supposed to be the ultimate in order. I will spend the rest of my existence in heaven trying to kill myself. (laughs) If that band is there, (laughs) that's what's going to happen. Joe Toronto and his people are
1: fucking heaven's house band. We gotta go. We gotta go. There are
0: better bands in hell. So, yeah, God tells Satan he has to walk the earth and seek out the rich and the politicians. And then the train shoots off into outer space, and that fucking song starts all over again. And again, it's animated like Soul Train. Now, if Don
1: Cornelius had been the Night Porter, I would have loved this movie forever and a day. But he's not.
0: We're and not that it's lucky.
1: terrible. <laughs> Fuck uh, me. Jesus, and that's how the fucking movie ends. An animated train boogieing off to heaven with the worst fucking band that only knows one song, and everybody's happy and fine, and it's eternally sanctioned by the Jesus, and I don't get it. So, fuck! Can we get into the three questions now? (sighs) Sure,
0: now that we're finished discussing that huge pile of shit, let's get into the three questions. Fine! So, (laughs) I can't even... Okay, so tell me, X, why should our listeners watch Night Train to Terror? Or should they? Well, how much do you hate
1: yourself? (laughs) How often do you wake up in the morning and just think, I am a gigantic pile of disgusting, horrible flesh, and I should have no joy ever in my life? If you're that person... Night Train to Terror is for you.
0: I say save yourself the pain and the heartache (laughs) and just fast forward through all of the sections that involve God and the devil and that fucking music. You know, watch Harry's story because it's disjointed and weird, but the effects are actually kind of good. It gives some good gore. Um, and then fast forward and watch the the weird fucking death club scenes in in Greta's story. Oh, watch the wasp. Yeah, yeah, definitely the wasp. And then fast forward through all the bullshit with the with La and the story of Claire Hansen and just Watch the scene where her husband dies, and LaFat morphs into the giant demon that throws a fireball at him, and he dies on the glowing red claws. You know, and at that point, you've seen all of the the only watchable shit in the entire film.
1: Agreed. All right. So our next question in the three questions is: on a scale of one to six, how many horns high would you give Night Train to Terror?
0: I'd give it a half a horn. Wow. Yeah, man. This That's just, just a nub. It runs all over me. <laughs> it's just watching it again, I'm like, fuck, I can't. No, it pisses me off. <laughs> no.
1: I'm going to give it one. I'm going to give it one horn because the stop motion was horrible, but it was batshit crazy horrible, and I really kind of dug it. I really like the wasp. I also like the Ishtar face. With that fucking big piece of bologna hanging out of its mouth, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. So the effects okay. are bad, but I guarantee you you've never seen anything like them.
0: You know, if I could have done without the framing device. If they had just left out all of the god and devil bullshit and all of the fucking night train boogie woogie music, and just shown us the three segments, the three different stories, it probably would have gotten a a much higher rating.
1: Well, see, and there's the thing, because this movie was actually concocted from three separate movies, like condensed versions of movies, one of which was never even finished, and that was the Paul and Greta story was never finished. But the rest of it was just like Reader's Digest versions of other movies that they cobbled together, threw a weird-ass fucking framing device on, and released... Mm -hmm.
0: And you can tell. Yeah, you absolutely can tell. So, finally, is this a devil movie?
1: No. No? Why this not? is a New Kids on the Block movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> because the main focus is on that band. Oh, wow. Let me put it this way. Imagine that you're watching Creepshow, except it's worse than Creepshow, and in between every story in Creepshow, you have to see the video for the right stuff. Oh
0: my God, I hate you. Now that song's going to be in my head.
1: That's what Night Train to Terror is like. (laughs) So no, it's not a devil movie. It is a New Kids on the Block movie.
0: I have nothing to add to that.
1: Well, then, now it's time for a new recurring segment on Kiss the Goat, one that we feel eminently qualified to present to you.
0: If you were to ask X and I what our top ten favorite things to do are, seven of those things would be drink, five of them would be watch bad movies, and eight of them are things we do in our private time that we will leave to your imagination. That's 20 things. And 20 times 10 is two. Okay, so it's time for Drinking with the Devil, our new
1: segment that allows you to drink along with us by providing a drinking game for every movie that we watch.
0: Oh, gods. And should you decide to watch the movies we cover on this show, especially if it's a piece of raging garbage like Night Train to Terror, you are going to want to drink. Sure. Might as well make it fun instead of a last-ditch effort to retain your sanity.
1: So if you're going to watch Night Train to Terror... Get your favorite poison, a shot glass, and follow these rules.
0: Drink every time you hear the chorus to that fucking song.
1: Drink every time you see the book the Night Porter holds start to glow.
0: Drink every time there's good stop motion. (laughs) Just kidding. That doesn't happen. How about you take a drink every time God denies the devil a soul?
1: That's good. And for bonus points... Drink twice would you have to endure bad white boy breakdancing.
0: <laughs> Glory be. That's drinking with the devil. Of course, we don't condone excessive alcohol consumption or abuse, but in the words of Hunter Thompson, it's, it's always worked for us.
1: All right, I'm going to dip my hand into the mailbag now. We're going to pull out some letters from our listeners.
0: It's time to ask the GOATs. We love hearing from y'all, and you can drop us a question anytime either on our Facebook group page or at Madness at gmail.com. If your question is good enough and we're drunk enough, we'll answer your question on the air. First question is from our
1: good friend, filmmaker Jim Branscombe, who wants to know, why does Satan like the color red so much?
0: Well, I think it shows off his complexion nicely. I think
1: it brings out his eyes. Yeah. I really do. (laughs) I also think, you know, red is the color of fire, and he lives in hell, so I don't know. Maybe It's kind of like home,
0: yeah? Yeah, it's kind of like home. That's all I can figure. Yeah. That's a good question. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Gil Rokitansky is the producer of the Two Drink Minimum Commentaries show, and he asks, all the way from Glasgow, cake or death? Well, Gil, I'll have the chicken. I'll have some cobbler,
1: <laughs> a nice peach cobbler with a vanilla glaze, and a strong cup of coffee on the side. That sounds delicious. Rakatansky also wants to know who's worse, Satan or Morrissey. That's a whole other show, Gil.
0: Just Maybe Morrissey. Don't. Morris.
1: Just don't.
0: <laughs> I think Morrissey is the devil, ex.
1: Woman. Don't even.
0: <laughs> well, Mark Schofield wants to know why does Satan possess kids so much? I'd assume a pure child would be harder to possess than, say, a 36 year old alcoholic that buggers homeless people for fun. It's
1: a really good question. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it's for shock value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the problem is the shock value of possessing a child had a very small window. It was maybe from 1972, when is when the Exorcist came out, I think, 72, up to about 1976, which is when the Bad News Bears came out. I have a point. Bear with me. Okay. Now, back in 72, when Linda Blair was like, fuck me, fuck me, suck my crucifix, whatever the fuck she was saying, you know, your mother sucks cocks at hell. Nobody had really heard a kid spew out profanity like that. But in 76, when the Bad News Bears came out, that was a whole Little League baseball team full of foul-mouthed, obnoxious, arrogant little motherfuckers. And it was a huge hit, and people really dug it. So I think that whole thing of let's possess a child and make him say things that he wouldn't ordinarily say, that had about four years going for it, and then it was done. And now we have South Park. And now we have South Park. Thank you very much. Right. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think maybe he's just in a rut, which that is why he right. continues to possess children. I really think the next way for Satan is going to be inanimate objects like dolls and sewing machines, bicycles, lawnmowers. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah.
0: It's a good idea. All so, right.
1: actually we have I have one more email to read that we've just received. Oh, Um, a
0: surprise email. A
1: surprise email. It's really kind of disturbing. Um, It says, I'm so glad to have found your group. Haven't listened to any of the podcasts yet, but I just love goats. (laughs) They're just the cutest little things with their leaping and frolicking and headbutting, like that little buttermilk goat in the YouTube videos leaping over her brothers and sisters, kicking them down gleefully. There's just nothing better (laughs) in the whole world. That's why I'm so happy to kiss the goat. Okay, now I'm going to go and listen to your podcast and hear what you like about Goats too.
0: Love and Snuggles, Betsy. Oh, honey. Uh, Somebody's in for a surprise. I think you're in the wrong group. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Love you, Betsy.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um... Maybe, maybe we can get into some animal husbandry videos later. (laughs) Sorry. That sounds like a damn good time. It does. Okay, well, thanks for your questions, everybody. Even you, Rocketansky,
0: you damn rabble rouser. Hey, we want to give a big shout out to the Horophilia Network for giving us a home to spread our internet sickness from.
1: You know, there are over 20 podcasts on the Horophilia Network all of them horror-related and all of them delightful in their own way. Check them out.
0: And why not visit our website? It's the only place to get official Kiss the Goat clothing and accessories. Check out our Bielza Baby Booze flasks. And X's favorite, the Baphomet, is my co-pilot bumper sticker.
1: I do love that bumper sticker. And when you're finished giving us all your money, hop on over to iTunes and leave us one of those amazing five-star reviews. You know, the kind Mike Murphy gets. Just do a search for the Kiss the Goat podcast and let those fingers fly.
0: And as always, thank you for listening. We don't know what kind of decisions led you to our podcast, but we're sure it's nothing years of expensive therapy can't fix.
1: We've got some super cool shit planned for October, but I'm not going to tell you about it until our next episode because I'm a dick. <laughs>
0: until next time, I'm Cootie. and I'm Max. Hey. Hell safe. This
1: is probably the drunkest we've ever been on a podcast.
0: I think so, yeah. So fucking awesome. There's even more Satan in the news stories to be found over at our Facebook page, which we our face group bake book page. Our face bake sale, which we encourage you to join. There's always some interesting conversation going on there, and some of the nicest people you'll ever meet on the internet, talking about the devil, movies, old and new. And that's at Facebook.com slash groups slash Kiss the Goat. God, I got just totally fucked that up. You want to take Long that to redo You want to take that,
1: that again? <laughs> I, though I love Kiss the Groat. Yeah, let me see if I can do that let one better. That one again. Give me a lead-in <laughs> count so I know where I'm cutting,
0: but... Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> More vodka. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Five, four, three...